1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
2: Right now, we're pleased to welcome Jonathan Jones. First appearance on the show. Finally has an opportunity to join us uh, after coming out of what is a very busy season, of course. He's the lead insider for the NFL and CBS. Also part of HBO's Real Sports as a correspondent. We know the confetti is cleaned up in Arizona. Jonathan, probably not yet in Kansas City. When you think back on this Chiefs team, this run to the title, which had different elements from four years ago, what stands out to you about the way this group won the Lombardi?
1: It's incredibly impressive, and I'm with you, where it's dynasty. Listen, I'm I'm only willing to go so far as it's the early makings. Of a potential dynasty right you gotta we need to see a little bit more especially with what we've seen in two decades with the patriots and really i kind of split that up into two right because most dynasties don't go as long as they did between their third and their fourth super bowl so i uh, consider the three and the four years to be one and the the other one to be one so uh we we need three to make it complete here for uh <laughs> the chiefs but to do it without tyreek hill um, to To have Patrick Mahomes and uh, you know another long season. And then everything we thought about the AFC West, right? The Chargers knocking at the door. Obviously, the Broncos fell off and obviously the Raiders were disappointing. But um, I thought when they, with the Super Bowl matchup that they had against an Eagles team that after the quarterback position, two through 53, they were a better roster. I don't know that there's any question about that. Maybe even a considerably better roster. The fact that Um, the the Chiefs were still able to come from behind like so few teams can do against a team like that and win uh, in that fashion. Certainly, they should be the favorite to win next year as well.
2: You know what really stood out to me, Jonathan, is that the loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers exposed their offensive line. So what do they do? What does Brett Veach do in that offseason? They rebuild that line and It was a strength in the second half. As they come back from the 10 points down, the Eagles never had a sack, not even one. And they were able to amass 150 yards rushing. That really impressed me. And also, I thought it was a highlight considering that that was their weakness two years ago.
1: Yeah, right. And the fact that, you know, Andrew Wiley held up so well on the right side of the line. You know what you have in Joe Tooney there at guard. And then Orlando Brown Jr., you, you know that he's a very solid left tackle. The issue moving forward is going to be how are you going to get him on, uh, on a long-term deal, and are you going to have to franchise tag him? But those are first-world problems. Those are problems that you will <laughs> gladly worry about after you win another Lombardi trophy. I, listen, I'd be remiss not to give a little bit of credit uh, or blame, if you will, to the turf uh, there. And listen, both teams played on it. I actually spoke with the equipment director of the Chiefs after the game and told me, I said, hey, it felt like you guys were better prepared for the slippery field. And he's like, yeah, we knew that we had to be in the seven-stud cleats. He had been in constant communications with the ground crew there wow. at State Farm Stadium. So the Chiefs were ready for it a little bit more than the Eagles were, where you saw when they got up to the top of their pass rush, they started to slip way more than I saw it. Uh, their opponent was that's not an excuse But it probably had a little bit to do with the whole zero sacks in four quarters.
2: Great intel there. And we know that the Eagles were changing cleats left and right in the first half where the Chiefs weren't quite doing the same thing. Jonathan Jones is the lead NFL insider for the NFL on CBS and also a correspondent for Real Sports HBO. We're thrilled to have him on the show for the first time in the wake of the 2022 NFL season that was. And now we're looking ahead here on After Hours CBS Sports Radio Inside the AFC West, a major change, Derek Carr, is a free agent of sorts, although his contract allows him to negotiate to talk to teams even before we get to the new league year. Where do you see a good fit for Derek?
1: I mean, a good fit would be a New Orleans Saints if they can figure out the money, right? I mean, you talk about a Saints team that uh, that's the same song that we've played with the Saints at this time of the year the last decade, right? Uh, Of course, the Saints are going to get under the cap and they'll probably have enough money to sign someone like Derek Carr, who will have a market and will command uh, a fair market contract. You'll get the Jets who let's say they're going to strike out on Aaron Rodgers for whatever reason. Maybe he goes to the Raiders. Maybe he stays (laughs) with the Packers. Maybe he retires. Um, That maybe the Jets would be a landing spot where we're not concerned about. Uh, their cap space. And we know that they are average to slightly above average quarterback play away from making it to the playoffs. So those are the top two. I've seen the Carolina Panthers thrown about. I just think that their focus is not on the veteran quarterback market as QB one, like it has been the last couple of years. I think they know that that's been a mistake. Um, And so they're not going to go after somebody like Derek Carr. I don't believe, you know, the Washington commanders, they're rolling with Sam Howell and they're going to use their capital elsewhere Uh, Look at Deron Payne, for example, and his upcoming contract. And so when you start looking at it, when you know that clearly he's not going back to the Raiders, if the Packers get rid of Rodgers, you have to assume they're going to elevate Jordan Love to that role. You start narrowing it down just a little bit. Maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but the Saints and the Jets, to me, seem like the obvious top two options.
2: With which one of those teams would you think an addition of Derek Carr would make the team a contender immediately?
1: Oh, I absolutely think that it's the Jets. Um, I think that you have, you know, just like we didn't want to talk about uh, the the dynasty word with the Chiefs just yet, (laughs) I don't want to talk about an elite defense with the Jets just yet, but a very good defense, a potentially great defense, right? And so uh, when when you have Derek Carr, who's going to... You just hope that he is 2021 Derek Carr and not 2022 Derek Carr. And I don't think that there's anything to indicate that he can't go back to that 21 Carr who carried that team, who uh, at least that offense, right? Who um, with all the things that were going on with that Raiders squad, he was able to have those fourth quarter comebacks and those game winning drives. So um, if you can have that a, a 65% passer uh, that he can take care of the football, that he can be, Great, or at least above average in crunch time. Uh, That's a Jets team that. Uh, why can't they win ten games? And then that ten and seven should get them in the wild card.
2: You bring up Aaron Rodgers. Maybe you are in his inner circle, Jonathan. It's very tight, <laughs> as we found out. I'm not sure, but if you're the Packers, so let's look at this from the Packers' perspective. Which way are you leaning?
1: Well, I don't know Aaron Rodgers because of his contract you're leaning whichever way he's leaning, you know, I mean, he does, he really does have control, right? I mean, if he wants to retire, I guess you're, you're retiring Aaron Rodgers. If he wants to be traded, you're trading Aaron Rodgers. And if he wants to stay, well, you're, you're not trading him because if you were to trade him against his wishes, well, he would have no incentive to rework his contract. And you were really dealt with a massive dead cap situation uh, on your hands. And so, Um, it really does it's going to take three to tango here it's going to take the Packers it's going to take Rodgers and if of course he wants to be traded it's going to take that third team and so everyone is going to have to work together in a kumbaya sort of uh, trade so uh, we'll see whenever he emerges from wherever he is whether it's a darkness retreat or whatever you know when it kind of comes to Aaron Rodgers I just let him do the thing where he's going to make a lot of noise around Super Bowl and around this time, and then just wait for the real stuff to start happening. And that real stuff should should start to happen around the combine here in a week and a half. People have told me this about Aaron, that he should probably realize that they're each other's best opportunity to get another Super Bowl. I think that's a fair way to think, but we also understand that sometimes you just – want something new sometimes you need to start fresh i mean you know look at uh, eric the enemy for example i don't think the enemy is under any you know illusions that if he returns to kansas city that's his best opportunity at another super bowl championship right but he wants to go out and spread his wings under uh not andy Reid and thinks that that's going to be his best opportunity as a head coach well potential head coach well that's what he decided he has to do and so Aaron Rodgers could also look over and see that the grass is greener. He says the grass is greener where you water it. I say sometimes the grass is greener over the septic tank. But ultimately, (laughs) he's going to have to realize um, if he wants to start fresh and start anew somewhere, does he want to come to the New York Jets? Is it going to be the Raiders and in that division where there's no guarantee that he's even going to make the playoffs coming out of the AFC West? So plenty of decisions that he has to make, but I think that both can be true, Andy.
2: Jonathan Jones is with us from CBS, and it's going to be one heck of a dramatic offseason, as always, because the NFL never stops. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. I want to get back to Eric. I'm glad you brought him up because I do want to ask you about him. But before we leave the quarterback arena, what's another QB storyline that intrigues you as we head into the offseason? The,
1: the other QB storyline... You know, I'll give you two. It'd be Jimmy Garoppolo and what he's ultimately going to fetch out there on the market as an unrestricted free agent as a guy who, when he's out there, he normally wins. Uh, of course, he's played under Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan, so that really helps your winning percentage,
2: but yes. it's always uh,
1: when he's out there, right? Three of the past five seasons, he's been really banged up. and so Is he going to be able to command anything more than a two-year contract? What will a team be willing to commit? Where is that team going to be positioned in terms of uh, potential playoff success so that's going to be interesting and then I think the other one Jim Ursay and the Colts I think that they're really sort of the key to the draft right here at number four uh, because they clearly want a young quarterback I don't know if it's Bryce Young that they want I'll just say keep an eye on C.J. Stroud but do you have to trade up to one with the Chicago Bears to get C.J. Stroud are you worried about two in the Houston Texans Can you just go up one to three with the Arizona Cardinals, or are you concerned about the Carolina Panthers at nine moving up? So if there's a fulcrum of the draft, obviously what Chicago does at one is very important, but I could see a lot teetering on what the Colts and GM Chris Ballard decide to do there at four.
2: Other than the Chicago Bears, the teams you just highlighted all have new head coaches. We've seen the carousel finally grind to a halt with both the Eagles coordinators getting new gigs. Which coaching hire do you think has the potential to become a huge boost for that team in 23?
1: I think D'Amico Ryan's with the Houston Texans, I think when you look at their nice young pieces on defense, when you consider that they're going to get, uh, of course, uh, a quarterback, be it Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. um, When you consider the other, what is it, nearly a dozen draft picks that they have, so they're going to have a lot of cost-controlled rookies and young players um, who are starting to to build and grow in their system. Obviously, they're going to re-up Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, so your guy, your quarterback is going to be taken care of. He just brought over Bobby Slowick uh, as his offensive coordinator there, so he's going to try to run a whole lot of what Shanahan runs uh, in San Francisco, and we know how quarterback-friendly that system can be when it's run to a T. So, And then you consider also that division. Uh, how much do you believe in the Titans right now? Okay, the Jags look great. You know, they, they look like they could be a team that could be in the playoffs for a while, but it was only one year. Um, and then, of course, it's always just the AFC South uh, at the end of the day. So the Texans are a team that I'm very intrigued by, that I think D'Amico Ryan's in one year can turn them around. And as we always know, frankly, there's more than one team that goes from that worst to first in yes. the NFL. Uh, and why can't it be the Texans this upcoming year?
2: Roughly half the playoff field turns over every single year. and In fact, seven teams turned over uh, for this postseason. So, Jonathan, the Eric Biennemi question continues to, to plague me. Uh, the Andy Reid coaching tree is the most successful this era of football. Andy speaks so highly of him. His players speak so highly of him. I know he's not calling plays, but again, other guys out of that system have been successful and been hired, and they weren't calling plays. What is it? What do you hear about Bienemy and why he hasn't landed a head coaching job?
1: It's maddening, Amy, and and you're right. Not only are guys who come out of that Andy Reid tree, are, are they successful, but the other fact is they can go out and be unsuccessful. The point is that they're given the opportunity. Right. right? They, they've they given the opportunity to fail. Um, and I don't know that anyone would confuse Matt Nagy's tenure in, in Chicago with being as successful as Doug Peterson's in Philadelphia. But the fact is, they both got that opportunity while not calling plays. And so Aaron the enemy over the past couple of years now, uh, and I'll get the numbers wrong, but it's it's half the league that he's interviewed with. Yes. At this point, uh, over four or five years. And we're talking about the most successful five years any offensive coordinator in Kansas City history has ever enjoyed. I am not certain that if he were given a head coaching job, that he would succeed. Just like I'm not certain that any of these five men who just got the job are going to succeed in those roles. But I would take his resume. I would take what he has done, how he has worked with Patrick Mahomes, what Andy Reid, a first ballot Hall of Fame coach, what Patrick Mahomes, who if he retired today, is a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. I would take what they had to say about the man and say, you know what, I'm going to try it out with this guy. I'm going to give him a four-year contract. If I'm a head, uh, an owner somewhere and just say, you know what, if it doesn't work out, uh, I'll deal with that. But the, the past performance, uh, I would hope would project some really good future results.
2: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You said maddening. I think infuriating. At some point, it feels like it's a no-brainer, and yet it maybe it's because the NFL is such a copycat league, and because he didn't get hired initially, now he's branded as someone who's not hireable.
1: That that could be part of it. Um, I think that you know we talk all the time um, uh, about race in the NFL. He has uh, been the unwilling face of this sort of race in football, at least in the coaching ranks crisis it's a shame i think that a lot of people with a lot less on their resume who may or may not interview as well or worse than eric v like whatever you want to throw out there i think the facts sort of speak for themselves and it's a shame that he has decided that he's going to have to go elsewhere outside of andy Reid's shadow in hopes of um, sort of proving himself more than many many coaches have to prove themselves in order to be first-time head coaches but alas this is um this is the NFL world that we're in, and it's the world that
2: we're in. Jonathan Jones is with us for a couple more minutes, the lead NFL on CBS Insider. And Jonathan, we're going to talk about Calvin Ridley, but in light of what we were saying about Eric bien and how it's frustrating and it doesn't make sense, here's Brian Flores who chooses a new job where diversity is important, where he can see it. So hearing his comments and looking at the Minnesota Vikings organization How do you like the fit with Brian in Minneapolis?
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, I was under the impression that Kevin O'Connell, that Kweisi Adolfo Mensah, the GM there, that they were really targeting somebody who could be versatile. And one of the things that I loved from Brian Flores in his press conference on Wednesday was, he was asked, you're going to run a 3-4 or a 4-3? And he said something to the effect of, what team are we playing? And just the (laughs) fact that you can be malleable, that you understand, of course he understands what defenses in, in today's NFL need to be to face these offenses um, that he's going to play to his personnel and their strength. Uh, I really, really like what I heard there. And obviously the Vikings need to take that step on the defensive side. No question about it. Um, but I like what they've done uh, really over two regimes, right? Because Rick Spielman did a fantastic job getting in a lot of talent over there. And then Quesi has really sort of churned the bottom of that roster to make sure that they're getting some quality contributions from the bottom half of the roster. And so uh, I think that it's worked really well, uh, and I think that flow getting in there and really getting that opportunity um, is, is going to make the Vikings uh, an NFC North favorite. At least they should be.
2: Well, they definitely need the boost on defense. They need his expertise and his toughness, his experience. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Uh, Calvin Ridley, all the rage because he's eligible for reinstatement. Going back to his one-year suspension. And now, Jonathan, in light of what we know about all of these sports leagues who are embracing the gambling, is this a cautionary tale to the rest of the league, to other athletes? Does it work that way?
1: I hope it works that way. I kind of struggled with um, how folks didn't – I'll just say this. He touched the stove, and the stove was hot, right? Now, should the stove have been hot? Should there have been rules that if you put – if you place a bet on a seven-game parlay on your phone while you're bored one day, that you should lose your livelihood for a year? Of course not. But are all of these guys told, hey, don't bet. I have to go through these seminars uh, myself. I don't place bets. I I don't do it. I don't, I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. And so I don't want to necessarily say shame on Calvin Ridley, but there is a much larger conversation to be had about where the NFL, where a number of institutions are going with sports gambling and how quickly it's moving, how ubiquitous it all is and the potential perils of that in the future. I think those are fascinating conversations, I hate ultimately, personally, that Calvin Ridley had to sit out a year. I don't think that it's necessarily fair. You know, I look forward to him shining for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'll say this, the, the Jags made the move, a very unconventional move, to trade for him because Trent Balke, the general manager, realized how poor this free agency class was going to be at wide receiver. And he said, listen, I'll go ahead and send what I need to send for a guy who can be uh, and can return to that number one form because when you look at this upcoming free agent class, there is no receiver that is close to Calvin Ridley and the Jags have him and they only had to let him sit for half the season.
2: And they already set the tone for the end of last season with their meteoric rise uh, to win the AFC South. So watch out for them coming up in 2023. All right, Jonathan, I always end this away with analysts on the show, insiders, another storyline, one that we haven't hit that really intrigues you as we go into the off season.
1: Oh, I am fascinated by the sort of numbers we're going to see uh, on these contracts. When you go back to a couple of years ago when we were in COVID, uh, I think there was only one contract that was for more than $100 million in total, and that was Ryan Tannehill's contract with the Titans. We saw that change um, over the last couple of years. Well, we just experienced the largest salary cap spike in the salary cap era. I think it was almost $17 million from year to year, and we are anticipating an even larger spike next year because of the media deals and how that money is going to kick in. How big are these contracts going to be? Uh, How sort of eye-popping? I bet you, Amy, we're going to see numbers. uh, We're going to see headlines come mid-March. This is the most money that's ever been spent in an NFL free agency. (laughs) And then three years later, we're going to realize – Or we're going to have more stories, like we did with the NBA a couple years ago during their big spike, about, hey, maybe we shouldn't spend like that. So be (laughs) be on the lookout for who spends and who doesn't.
2: Well, and last year it was the wide receiver position that got the astronomical raises and all the huge contracts. We know quarterbacks are in line for it, of course, but is there another position that you think might benefit?
1: Offensive line. Much like real estate and how they're not making any more dirt, they also (laughs) are... (laughs) Aren't making these dudes uh, at 340 pounds who, uh, who can hold up against <clears throat> some of these pass rushers who are coming in running four threes at, at 260 pounds. So, um, if you can get you an offensive lineman, um, <laughs> it, you know, at the top of the draft or in free agency, if one falls from the heavens like manna, you are absolutely going to give that man whatever he wants because you got to have
2: him. Oh, the O-line, the key, the anchor to everything in the NFL, to be sure. All right, great stuff. So you can find Jonathan Jones on Twitter at jjones9, the lead NFL insider for the NFL and CBS and also a correspondent with Real Sports HBO. We're excited to have him on the show for the first time. Hope it's not the last. Jonathan, thank you so much for a couple of minutes.
1: Amy, I appreciate you. (sighs)
2: Spring is a time of renewal,
0: so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com?